Well, we're at the end of Second uh, Peter. <clears throat> Gone through uh, really a short treatment of the new heaven and the new earth. <clears throat> Peter, after that, uh, says in verse 14, that's uh, 2 Peter 3.14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found in him in peace without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our bro- beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do the other scriptures unto their own destruction." Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So Peter ends with uh, an encouragement to be diligent, which he has mentioned before, uh, to be uh, diligent. And he ends also with a warning. A warning that uh, you could fall from your own steadfastness. I know it's not popular. Um, the theology that I grew up on was that you cannot lose your salvation no matter what you do. And that was kind of drummed into... Uh, and that's really the mantra that people um, hear. And I believe that. You cannot lose your salvation... If you hold on to God with faith, no matter what the devil comes at you, throws at you in the physical realm, in the spiritual realm, you cannot lose your salvation. But if you cast off faith and you cast off Christ Jesus, you've cast off salvation. And um, that is a... Warning that is before all believers that you cannot cast off Christ Jesus and faith in him and be saved. Um, And I know people go through all these gymnastics. um, And I heard it preached, no matter what you do, you can't be lost once you're saved. It seems to me the tenor of the New Testament does not uh, teach that. It does matter what you do. Uh, Practical things that you do in this life. And thus, um, the warning uh, that comes...
to uh, alleviate you from danger. <clears throat> if you didn't believe that you're, it was dangerous for your child to run onto the street, there would be no point in saying, Johnny, uh, see these cars going by here. When you approach the street, do not run onto the street. If you didn't believe that no, either there was no cars on the street or that if Johnny did get hit by a car, it wouldn't be a big deal. You warn your child of things. You warn people of things because there is a potential impact um, for a particular action, which would be dangerous. <clears throat> and this is how Peter ends uh, his epistle. He has uh, devoted much time in the epistle to men that would twist uh, the scriptures. And we did look at that. They twisted particularly the doctrine of salvation and then of the promise of his coming. Uh, In the last days, scoffers would come saying, where is the promise of his coming? And we treated that at length, they're basically saying Christ is not going to come in judgment. And um, so these are the things that are before us that the devil has worked, uh, particularly in religion, particularly in denominations, particularly where the truth is preached, to bring alongside it a lie that would divert people from the true gospel and true salvation and utter um, and bring people to ruin. And that is what the devil is working in your life to bring you to ruin. He's, and he particularly has interest in the people of God. <clears throat> so throughout uh, Paul's epistles, he warns. Uh, he warns of these things, and we uh, also need to take heed. And not be lax in how we live and our attention uh, to the the gospel. And I'm uh, so thankful for the teaching that I have heard uh, in this assembly and since I have, and many of the churches that I've been in, I think men are sincere. But the environment of Christianity is a dangerous one. Because there are men that have uh, crept in, as it were, unawares and are teaching false things. And we need to be always aware of those and to shun them and continually uh, go after the truth. So that is the basic how this epistle ends. And diligence is uh, needed. So I've just sought to summarize Um, what we need to be uh, diligent about. How many points did I put down? Uh, Yeah, five things. Wherefore, beloved, in light of the exceeding great and precious promises, this is in, if you remember, just reminding us of the book itself back in in chapter 1, of uh, Second Peter, <clears throat> verse 4, whereby, 
we are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. In light of these, that we're partakers of the divine nature, in light of these things, we ought to uh, take heed. In light of the sure word of God, which shows us the way of salvation. In light of the proliferation of false teachers and false doctrines. That's chapter, chapter 2 uh, of Second Peter. <clears throat> in light of the peril that accompanies these things, that is, uh, in twisting the scripture. And that's, uh, that's in chapter 2 in... In verse, uh, in verse 20, talking about people that come out of the world and then they listen to a false gospel that people are teaching. And uh, they're promised liberty, but through the uh, abuse of grace, perhaps, they again become entangled in the sins that they escaped. And they are overcome. And in verse 21 of chapter 2, Peter says, For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. The gospel is a holy commandment. (laughs) It's a call to holiness. And without that, it really is a, uh, a false gospel. I have talked with men that uh, sincerely they believe that if you add, if you talk about works in regard to the gospel, you corrupt the gospel because the gospel is all of grace. And that is a misunderstanding of what the gospel is. The gospel is not uh, the poor people under the Old Testament. They had to really try hard and they had a very difficult uh, situation and God understood that they would be walking in sin and everything, but that was then. But now it's all grace and you're called to a life of, uh, yeah, you can't be lost and you can just sin up a storm and it's all covered by the grace of God. And these things are out there, these ideas in uh, Christianity. Um, And that is not the gospel. The gospel is the grace of God that provides us with the power to live um, as the law had demanded. And it's not that now we're called to liberty and doing whatever we want. Basically, life lived for self with a sprinkle of Christianity on it. And you can just, yeah, just live however you want. That is, a, is not true. God has called us um, to overcome sin, to overcome the desire to live for yourself and to live for God. <clears throat> And Peter is encouraging uh, his people. And in light of the second coming of Christ and the judgments and the glories that will accompany that event, Peter says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things. Now, he assumes that you're looking 
for the coming of Christ, that blessed hope, the, even the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. <clears throat> so since, if I could say you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. <clears throat> that whole term, uh, be found of him, is, I believe, an idea that is embedded in all of the teachings about the second coming of Christ. When um, Christ returns, he may find you uh, about his business. And that whole um, notion about just kind of doing whatever you want because uh, it's all covered by grace, I believe, is a false one. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Paul is talking about his life here. Whether we go to be with the Lord or whether we're absent from the body, which is where uh, you have died and you are absent from the body. So whether we're present, our spirits are present here. He says we labor that we may be accepted of him. Now, if you understand the gospel, you understand that you're only accepted in the beloved. But Paul was saying he labored that whatever he was doing, it was acceptable to God. He wasn't off uh, on some side event that God, if he found him, would find him doing something that he ought not to be doing. I'm sure we've all had the occasion um, to be doing something and then, oh, Mom and dad come in or mom and dad come home and you're doing something you ought not to be doing and then scrambling to either clean up the mess or um, we've all had various occasions of which to do that, I'm sure. Or that uh, son mow the grass and then you get distracted and then dad gets back and you haven't mowed the grass and he finds you doing something you ought not to be doing. Um, I've had occasion uh, of that. And sometimes you just get distracted, but you haven't been diligent. And diligent means to apply yourself to the task of uh, doing that which your father or mother, whoever has uh, asked you to do. And those are simple illustrations. And Paul was laboring that whatever, um, whether he died um, and whether he lived, he was always laboring to do that which was acceptable to God. And then he says in verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in the body according to what he hath done, whether it be good or bad. There's things that we can be doing that are bad. If you know what, Bad means. Bad is um, useless things. Things of which there are no rewards, and things that worse than that that are worthy of chastisement. 
Turn to Luke 18. Luke 18. Eighteen eight. <clears throat> the whole notion of uh, prayer here. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. <clears throat> And in the context there, is he going to find uh, a praying people, a people uh, looking for him? Turn to Luke 21. Luke 21 and verse uh, 34. Again, we've looked at this passage in length and then the conclusion of, or the, the final exhortation. That Luke uh, or the Lord gives in verse 34. And take heed to yourselves, lest any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that that day come upon you unawares. That day was the, uh, in the context, was the destruction of Jerusalem. And it is so parallel to the second coming of Christ that it could be uh, applied to that. But in the context, it was if you weren't watching for the sign, and the sign was that the armies would surround Jerusalem, this was the sign, that was in verse 20. When you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, run for it. And if you weren't paying attention and you didn't, Consider that you could have perished in that overthrow. And here's how you could have perished. You're overcharged with surfeiting. That's uh, excess, usually in excesses of food and their excesses of alcohol, drunkenness. And then in the cares of this life. And that really, you know, this is... Really, the rubber reads the road there for all of us. Which one of us doesn't have the cares of this life? These are not sinful things. Surfeiting, yeah. Excesses of food and drink of which we have a great uh, temptation to exercise ourselves in, at least in our country. And um, drunkenness. But the cares of this life, just the... Things that would just weigh us down and distract us. Uh, And we all have those things, no matter what uh, we are charged with. And obviously the Lord doesn't want to burden us. But in all of those things, to still stay focused and think, "This this is not it. What's it is me going after God. With all my heart, as Abe has uh, exhorted us through his word. Verse 35, or the end of verse 34, and so that day come upon you unawares. These things can, sinful things, and even things that aren't sinful, but 
are a distraction uh, that day could come upon us unawares. For as a snare it shall come upon all them that dwell upon the face of the whole earth. Turn to, uh, to Luke chapter 12. Again, this, uh, there's more. We could go to Matthew 24, Matthew 25, where, um, again, the whole thing of being sidelined with other things. Uh, Luke chapter 12 and verse 22. Um, For the sake of time, we won't read this whole section, but um, he exhorts his people not to take no thought for their life, um, neither to be of a doubtful mind, and then not to um, have our treasure on the earth. For where your treasure is, in verse 34, there it will be your heart also. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning right after that. Uh, Always being watchful, always being, uh, as it were, about the Father's business. If you're washing the dishes and changing the baby, you can still be about. (laughs) And many of you women, you live there and you think, how can I? But you can be, uh, yeah, as we've seen, Susie pouring her life into her children. and many, my wife poured her life into the children. She read the Bible to them. Uh, I think she read through the Bible five times. I could have never done that. She. So don't believe that, oh, because I have all of this responsibility, I can't be doing the will of God. You can't. And I say that to to many women that could get overwhelmed with um, thinking they're not doing. You're not out on the street, no, but the street's right there in front of you. And you are doing the will of God by raising your children. You could be girded about and your light's burning. A heart that's aflame for God. That's all it means. And ye yourselves are like men that wait for their Lord. For when he returneth from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, he may open unto him immediately. So here is the exhortation that you are found, uh, your heart uh, on fire for God. This exhortation is over and over again. Verse 39, and this you know, that if the good man of the house had known the hour that the thief would come, he would have watched and would not suffer this house to be broken up. Be therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. And then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who is then that is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them the portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant 
whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Again, that whole, that you may be found in him, in peace, you're about his business. And it's just a daily labor for us to be, it's so easy to let go of these things. And then you're no longer, um, you wouldn't be found of him uh, being about his business. Remember the Lord's uh, parents, he, they left him in Jerusalem, a 12-year-old boy. Um, he stayed behind, they were unaware of it, they went away, they came back, <clears throat> and then his mother said, we sought thee sorrowing. And he wasn't, he wasn't off playing around, you know, going down to watch the, uh, you know, as a 12-year-old boy be looking at the construction sites and everything else, he wasn't there. <laughs> He was down, he was in the temple, and he was debating with the doctors. He was sharing the word of God. And that's really what it, uh, how did you not know? You should have come here first. How did you not know I would be about my father's business? And they didn't understand the saying. Um, But the Lord was about his father's business even when he went home and it was subject to his parents he was about his father's business it has nothing to do with um, yeah we can we're, we're no matter what we are charged with whether we're a child or whether we're an adult we can be about his business uh, meditating as much as Abe has uh, reminded us of those things Love God with all your heart. That's being about his business. <clears throat> Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Be diligent that you be found in him in peace, doing his business. 1 Timothy chapter 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and certainly we were carrying nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of men, money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. This he said to Timothy. (laughs) This is a temptation, and he says, But thou, man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. He charges him, or reminds him, that he needs to flee these things. And I think the uh, exhortation uh, would be the same. <clears throat> and then he, he, he says that phrase, uh, lay hold on eternal life. <clears throat> fight the good fight of faith. 
And then to uh, down in verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world, that they may, may, that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who has giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Here's Timothy, a minister. He's told to flee these things, and then he says to the rich, those that had the money, Christians, rich Christians, to lay hold on eternal life by being rich in good works, using what you have in this life to lay hold on the life to come. And we all, uh, when we look at the rest of the world, we are rich, all of us are rich, no matter how, yeah, there's a scale, but we're all uh, exceedingly rich, and we have actually money to give, Uh, whereas some people, they have nothing to give because they have nothing. Turn back to uh, 2 Peter. See that you may be found in him uh, without spot and blameless. That is not that you're without sin, but there's nothing that you're aware of um, that could be blamed if the Lord were to come and find you. So we are diligent. The whole notion that you just float along and just do whatever you want, and it doesn't matter what you do or how you live, I believe is just not the teaching of the New Testament. It requires willful diligence. I don't know if um, there is such a thing as Diligence without, you know, you think, okay, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do this. It's going to take some planning and it's going to take some application. That's what diligence means. You can drive by someone's property and look to see whether they're diligent or not. Is there junk everywhere? And uh, Now, obviously, we have different things to manage and we're not looking for it, but Diligence is something that we all need to apply ourselves at. I think it was uh, Solomon who said, you, you pass the wall of the, or the vineyard of the slothful and it's overgrown with weeds and everything. My garden was overgrown with weeds. So you know what I did? Plowed it under and planted grass. <laughs> I just mow the weeds now. Uh, knowing our limitations, yeah. But we can all be diligent. In our life, no matter what position uh, we find ourselves in. And not to be down on yourself, but just to change things. I think we can all uh, do that. Verse 15. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. And this references back to where is the promise of his coming. And Peter has explained that. Um, those that would question why hasn't the Lord come back and maybe there is no coming back at all. He says, no, God is waiting for this reason. Judgment has not come for this account that the long-suffering of our Lord is 
salvation. It's for the purpose of the salvation of others. We heard that yesterday, our brother Victor. Uh, God is waiting that more people would be saved. And that's really what the delay is all about. And I say that. Uh, To God, it's such a short period of time. 2,000 years since he has gone up into heaven is just like us waiting for a couple of days. Even a child could wait for a couple of days. Think of our children when you had some exciting event coming up and they'd ask you, when is it going to be? And you'd say, oh, a few few days yet. And they'd say, just a couple more days. And that's what the Lord is saying. I'll be here in a few days. Get busy. Get ready for my coming is really the exhortation. And then he moves into the subject because he's talking about salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As he also in all his epistles, speaking of them in in these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they which are unlearned and unstable rest as they do the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Sober thing, he talks about the salvation of God, and then he says there's going to be people that are going to come and corrupt that whole thing. And that is evident. He has just spent chapter 2 talking about Just as there was false prophets among the people of God, there will be, not might be, but there will be false prophets among you. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you give your mind to because there are many, many false teachers uh, that have entered into the world. It has been since... In the day of Paul, and it, and the day of Peter, and it is even more prolific in our day with the advent of uh, the internet, which is only in the last 30 years. The internet was first announced to my ears where it is at right now. It's uh, unbelievable, <clears throat> and people often do not discern. So be careful whom you listen to, and I believe it's the will of God to listen to the teaching in your own fellowship. I could say that. Um, it isn't that there is any, nothing profitable outside of us. That isn't the, the point. But you cannot observe uh, someone's life that's living in Southern California. You just cannot. Or over in Ireland or wherever stuff that people could... You can listen to anything that anybody has put out on the face of the earth. Christian teachers. And, yeah, sometimes we have good knowledge of this ex-brother or y-brother. But uh, for basic... um, Our basic diet should be amongst those that we know. And with that is safety... Now, there are brothers that, yeah, they have come with good reputation and we would listen to that. But just saying, oh, this is interesting and clicking on this person. I'm not saying that it it couldn't be profitable, but 
there is, uh, it isn't natural, I say natural, uh, to the Christian church is to know those that labor among you. And um, we listen to the brothers that we know, and that could be in another country. But I think you get uh, my point. Verse 15. Paul writes, or Peter writes about Paul, he says, These things, uh, things about salvation, some are hard to be understood. And uh, because of that, the unstable and the unlearned, they rest as they do the other scriptures. Now, I don't think that the unlearned and the unstable means they're just ignorant people. These are teachers that are in the church, but uh, Peter calls them unlearned and unstable. Turn to First uh, Timothy chapter two. Wherever Paul went, he was battling uh, false doctrine. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think there was a church that he uh, that this wasn't a problem. First Corinthians uh, or in Corinthians and uh, Galatians. All of these churches had difficulties in Ephesus. Uh, 1 Timothy 2 and verse 3. Again, this doesn't seem like... uh, Yeah, I probably wrote down the wrong verse. Uh, Turn to 1 Corinthians 9. First Corinthians 9. Verse 23. In the the, uh, the whole... um, Context here is striving um, after uh, profitable things, you might say. In verse 23, And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race all run, but one receives a prize. So run that you may obtain every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things now they that do it obtain a corruptible crown but we an incorruptible i therefore so run not as uncertainly and so fight so fight i not as one that beateth the air but i keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when i have preached to others I myself uh, should be cast away. The whole um, understanding 
Paul understood that if he didn't do certain things, that um, he could be a castaway. If he just lived his life uh, the way that he perhaps wanted to. I don't think he enjoyed being persecuted and dogged in every city. But he, um, yeah, he kept under his body. And which one of us doesn't need to be doing uh, the same things? But false teachers will come along and say, we don't want to be burdening people unnecessarily, and it really doesn't matter how you live, and it's all of grace and everything. Um, and in such, they rest uh, the scriptures or the gospel. <clears throat> and in terms of what does rest mean, it doesn't doesn't mean taking a nap, but it uh, it's the action of twisting. I think it's uh, taken from uh, a tool that you would wish that you would use to twist a string on an instrument to tune it. And that's where the the root word comes from. But in uh, its application, to to deflect from its proper course or interpretation, to misapply or to pervert and men will take the scriptures and they will misapply them or misrepresent them and uh, Peter warns about this and particularly the whole doctrine of salvation is being uh, twisted and perverted today and we see that all over as Victor said I think in the prosperity gospel has gone into Places where you wouldn't think it would be that prolific, even into Thailand, right? Even into, does it get into uh, Burma? Probably. I don't know what they do with that. They'd be thinking, wow, there must be a, couple, a bunch of slouches that were not prospering here. But, uh, um, yeah, it goes everywhere. <clears throat> yeah. The North American version of Christianity has found its way into the whole world. The music, the the approach, the whole, um, yeah, take it easy um, has uh, gone into all the world. I can remember going to Addis Ababa, and I wanted to go to an Ethiopian church, and I did, and I went in there, and there was an American pastor, (laughs) a white guy, and I just was like, oh, I came all the way over here. I wanted to be in an Ethiopian church. But, uh, and the guy was probably a great guy. I had no idea. I can't even remember the message, but I can remember being disappointed. Um, so, and that's coming from a white guy. I'm a white guy. But, uh, yeah, we need to be aware of these things. The whole gospel of ease and... Our whole, at least my generation, was take it easy. There was a song that I used to listen to, Take It Easy. I won't hum you the tune because you might know it. Um, but that whole, I mean, even a greeting or, or, or uh, a parting greeting is take it easy. And it isn't, uh, I, I think people hope, 
Hope it uh, isn't too hard for you. Um, relax. All of these things, I think, is uh, to some degree uh, affects us or affects us. Uh, turn to uh, John 16. <clears throat> John 16. The Lord didn't have that approach. He told his disciples, uh, it's going to be difficult. <laughs> Expect it. Expect difficulty. <clears throat> he talks uh, in verse chapter 15 and verse 18 through 27 uh, that the world is going to hate you. And it's really going to hate you. It's going to hate you. As much as it's hated me. And then he says uh, in 16.1. These things I have spoken unto you. That ye should not be offended. And offended is. uh, That you would fall into unbelief. And fall away. Uh, Many people. uh, Because of persecution. Would fall away. And he says I'm telling you. This beforehand, that you're going to be uh, hated, you're going to be cast out of the synagogue. In fact, people that are going to kill you thinking they're doing God's service. Because you could be really stumbled by that. I didn't think it was going to be like this. Uh, But the Lord says, I've told you before that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. So he tells them beforehand, it's going to be difficult, but don't let that stumble you, because this is all God's plan. Perhaps not the message they uh, wanted to hear, but nonetheless, um, he warns them for good reason. Back to Second uh, Peter, verse 17. <clears throat> ye therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, that the men will come and corrupt the gospel and they're going to change it. They're going to maybe tell you that uh, you don't have to worry about your sin too much. Um, we're all sinners. And whatever comes in light of corrupting the gospel Uh, I'm going to tell you before, beware lest ye being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. Be aware that the gospel in Christendom is always being corrupted and that you want to uh, labor to hold on to the truth. And that's what we all uh, need to do. And don't presume that I'm good And I couldn't possibly uh, be led away with the error of the wicked. And fall from your own steadfastness. uh, Take heed those uh, that stand lest ye fall. Uh, Turn to Romans 14.
Romans 14 and verse uh, 13. In regard to falling, <clears throat> falling is always, uh, there's different degrees, I guess you could say, of falling. And here's one of them. <clears throat> Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. And fall there meant to sin. to uh, stumble and turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 10 this gets more severe 1 Corinthians 10 in verse 12 now the context here is a warning against believers for falling into what we call serious sins. <clears throat> now these things were an example, verse 6, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And it goes down through uh, idolatry, tempting Christ, and murmuring. <clears throat> and those people, uh, the Israelites, were... They did all of those things, and God had to chasten some of them, even kill some of them. And then in verse uh, 11, Now all these things happened unto them, for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the end of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. And there, the falling was serious. Fall into idolatry. Fall into tempting Christ. Or fall into murmuring. (laughs) How um, that is soft played, really, in our own lives. We can murmur at the drop of a hat. And we ought to take or consider the seriousness of murmuring but falling um, Peter warns us about and the most serious would be to reject Christ because of persecution because of difficulty because of believing a false gospel and Paul uh, warns the Galatians Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Probably the most serious here in terms of falling. And that's what Peter is talking about. Don't believe a false gospel. Because these people fell away from Christ. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall not profit you, shall profit you nothing. 
For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect to you. Whosoever are justified by the law are fallen from grace. So these Galatians, many of them, had been tempted to believe a false gospel in which they would be diverted from the truth and fall away from Christ. They were still religious people that believed in Christ, but they were going the way of the law. They believed a false gospel. And Paul warned, warned them sternly not to do that. <clears throat> it is possible to fall away from Christ. And without this being terrified that you're like going to slip. And, but it isn't that at all. But through willful choices, you can go down the wrong road. And Peter warns us about that. And then he gives the remedy. It's nice to have a remedy. Yeah, I know the sickness, but what's the remedy to avoid this? It's pretty simple. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's it. Uh, yep, that's it. If you're growing in grace, then uh, these things uh, will not happen to you. <clears throat> he says that basically in chapter 1. He says to uh, pursue, giving all diligence. And that's how he started this passage. Therefore, be diligent. In chapter 1 and verse 4, he says, <clears throat> giving or in verse 5, besides this, giving all diligence. Add to your faith. That would be to, to grow in grace and in the knowledge uh, of the Lord Jesus. And that's simply it. Never let up on pursuing Christ and Christ-likeness. And if you do that, you'll never fall. <clears throat> Turn to uh, Jude and we'll end with that. Uh, that uh, blessing there. <clears throat> Jude, again, addressing the same thing. <clears throat> In verse 21, we'll start. <clears throat> Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And of others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. God is able to keep you from falling. You don't have to fear and being, and I think we all understand those things. But we need to be pursuing him uh, with all our might. <clears throat> to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.